touchdowns in the first half. Wow, does Jefferson pay the price as Skalski is laying the lumber tonight. Personal foul, targeting, defense number 47. Half the distance to the goal, automatic first down. Skalski with disbelief. for the remainder of the game. And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. Jason, how are we doing today? Dan, absolutely beautiful. Can't wait to get in this episode. This is going to be a lot of fun to talk about this. So today, there's not much current events going on. So I was thinking we're going to get into a pretty fun general topic. Basically, we're just going to talk about the college football landscape and just some of the rules and what we could do to change it, both from a realistic perspective, from kind of a dream perspective, from a hypothetical perspective, every asset you want to look at it. I just want to talk about some of the ways we could change the game for the better of the fans, for the better of the players, etc. So... Jason, I'm going to ask you this. If you were to tell me the one biggest problem in college football right now, not asking you for an answer yet, but the problem, what would you tell me it is? I'm going to say something, Dan, that is going to sound, it might sound a little weak, but just hear me out because this will change at some point. And when it does, it will create a massive ripple effect across the entire country, across the entire landscape. What is the biggest problem for today's game? Nick Saban. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I just mean he's such a cut above every and, – and, and the program, Alabama, is such a cut above – not that they can't lose. Of course, Clemson's beating them and, and those type of things. But – you can safely assume that when he is at the helm of Alabama, they're going to be in the playoffs and fighting for a national championship every year. And that bugs a lot of college football fans, probably bugs almost all college football fans, except for Crimson Tide fans. Right. And that will change at some point. And when it does, there's going to be a vacuum created at Alabama People are going to, the recruiting is going to go nuts um, and, and it's going to just really shift all over. So that's why in a weird way, I know people are saying, let's expand the playoffs and we'll get to some of that. Right. I honestly think it sounds crazy. I think you should wait, hold off on all those type of major revolutionary changes until after Saban retires. I mean, is there any way to, help other college football teams catch up other programs or it's not really other programs catching up because it's not like Alabama literally wins every year. It's more bringing Alabama down to the level of everybody else. Yes. Yeah, is, so yeah, is there I, a way to like fairly do that or do we just kind of let it let the dynasty eventually die out when Nick Saban retires, which might be several years down the line. Yeah. I mean, I think he's probably in his upper sixties. He's probably got, you know, four or five years left at least. Um, I mean, obviously barring some kind of catastrophe. Uh, your question, I don't, I am not a proponent of making rules to bring a team down because that to me seems like a cop-out, seems weak. Like, oh, well, we can't be as good as them, so let's make it so they can't be as good. So that 
you, you know what I mean? It, it just it just seems soft. Um, so are there things that can be done? Possibly, but it's it, it, at this point, there's such a track record and it's so ingrained about and then you know, this draft, they put a ton of more guys in the in, in the NFL. And then the transfer portal, then they get uh, Henry Toto, right? One of the best guys in the transfer portal. So it's just like the, the steam engine keeps going. But, I mean, I do think, you know, you, you look at Ohio State, Ryan Day's kind of, I mean, I know it's not like they were an also ran before that, but he's getting them you know, where they're kind of turning into Alabama. Obviously, we have Clemson, the ACC, and Dabo. So those three teams, Oklahoma, a little bit lesser, Notre Dame, a little bit lesser as well. But, yeah, I, I think there are things that can be done. And I think – but I, I think what it might take is it might take some sort of really – ingenuity or maybe on the offensive end because I don't really think you can be too ingenious on defense anymore they kind of have litigated that out of the game a little bit so yeah. can somebody come up with something like so kind of awful I think of a few years ago when Miami sprung the wildcat on the NFL right and they did it on the Patriots and blew them out in Foxborough and it kind of took the league by storm could there be something like that? And but then it's got to always evolve because obviously people are going to catch up. And so maybe I don't know. But you're saying it's got to be internal. It's got to be some team thinking of something, not the NCAA acting from the outside to try to make. I, I completely agree with that. I mean, like, look, LSU. I mean, they just had Joe Burrow come along and lead a historic offense and. Alabama was far behind them. I mean, yes, they lost two of that year. They lost, I think, three games. That's an right. anomaly for Alabama. But let's talk about the playoffs, though, because I think the way, <laughs> the way this episode started, it seems like we're not going to be a proponent of expanding it, right? Because, you know, four teams is too much almost – given the fact that there's been no, not a four seed that has really done anything. So it's been always just the best team. Like, yeah, I, 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 I could clearly say that there hasn't been a team that missed the playoffs that would have won the championship. I don't think that you're hundred percent correct. I mean, but do you think you could... like we should give people a chance anyway, we should expand it to six, expand it to eight. I mean, a lot of people talk about the FCS as 24. I I have a strong opinion on this, but I want to hear your take first. Yeah, so let's let, we can use that FCS because it's a perfect example. They have that many teams. And I think hasn't North Dakota State won something like exactly. yes. eight out of 10 times? I mean, like you could have put all 130 teams in the playoffs this year. Alabama was going to win it. Exactly. So I don't understand just the flippantly – Oh, let's do eight teams, 12. I mean, I heard 12 teams, 16 teams. You, you're telling me a 16 uh, – who, who was ranked 16th this year? I mean, I know – I mean, it, even – let's even go in top 10. Oh, in Miami. You, you, you Miami think would have been the Cincinnati could have beaten Alabama? You think Miami could have beat 
they would have destroyed them. So it, it's got to, I know a lot of teams don't want to hear this. A lot of fan bases don't want to hear it, but you kind of got to put your, your big boy pants on and beat them on the field. You can't, you know, change the rules so you can get in. I mean, how many times have we made fun of Notre Dame or even Al or Oklahoma, sorry, not Alabama, getting into the playoffs and losing by 50? I mean, it's, it's almost like a running meme at this point. And, and we want that every year. We want more of that. That that's insane. It also devalues the the um, the regular season. Yeah, I would go as far as possibly going backward, going back to two teams. I, I would I would go back to two teams before I expanded it. I I agree with that. I mean, I think four is a good number, right? Because there has been three seeds that have won. And with with five power conference, with five five power conferences, it's very difficult to choose only two teams. Or how about yeah, this? So, how about this? Yeah. So okay. Go ahead. This? What if? I mean, this is extremely arbitrary, and the playoff committee is already flawed in itself. But what if the playoff committee just chose a number every year? based on this, the landscape of college football. So one year there could be two teams competing. The next year they decide, oh, well, there's, I don't know, five teams that might be able to win a national championship. The next year there's three. Like, what if the there's some committee, and we need to definitely fix that committee and make it less corrupt. But Yeah, so you and I will head the committee, but keep going. And they just – say, okay, X number of teams this year could realistically win a championship, realistically deserve to have a chance to win a championship. This is how many teams will be in the playoffs this year. So just for the fans out there, you and I have not discussed this prior to. We, we knew what we were going to talk about, but we haven't discussed the, the inner arguments, the inner machinations of it all. I actually agree with you. The only caveat I would make is I would, as best as I could, and it might need some honing, put it into some kind of like a combination, maybe a playoff committee and an algorithm and, and, and like a computer score. And you got to get above a certain threshold because that would tell us, okay, teams that are above this have a chance at winning and teams that are below don't have a chance at winning. I think it's got to be 100% based or very much based off of wins and losses and strength of wins and losses and not margin of victory. Right. Yes. Okay. That, and that, and that's fair. Cause we don't want to, we don't want to like encourage running up the score and stuff like that, especially when the game's in the fourth because quarter. We're, by using, we're using transitive property, like, Oh, um, a 35 point victory against a mediocre big 12 school versus a 27 point victory against a mediocre ACC school. Like how are we comparing those two? It makes no sense. So I'm just saying how good is the teams that you beat? How bad are the teams that you lost to? And that's all that matters. Yes. I have a, I haven't, I can't believe we're going to solve college football's problem in one single podcast, but I think we're going to do it. So here's here's my my grandiose 60 second spiel. I'm not going to get into the the minute details, but here we go. Cut it down to 120 teams in D1 football. 
So we got to kick out 10 teams, 5G5, 5P5. So we're down to 60 teams in each um, level, if you will. All right. We're going to split those 60 teams into six 10-team conferences. Six or, or um, with G5 and P5, right? And then we'll play a specific amount of conference games. It will all be the same across the entire country. Mm -hmm. But we will. You also play a home and away with a, a P6 now, a P6 school, and a home and away with a G5 school. Okay. Okay. And those conferences. So it would be like the ACC plays the Big Ten. And the ACC plays the Mountain West or whatever. So it's and then the NFL. Yes, exactly like the NFL. Exactly. Then we will have a pretty damn good uh, idea of which conferences are legit and which aren't. Mm -hmm. And then we will set that threshold that whether, you know, like I said, it has to be, you have to put some sort of computer into it you know like some sort of algorithm and you can you can add the eye test or whatever and we can you know add the human element a little bit but at that point man and then we and then we say you know okay look looks like six teams can win it all this year looks like only whatever two teams i guess it always have to be an even number i don't think we could say five we could i mean Wait, how could that work? I mean, we could have like a bunch of, we could have like, you know, the one seed get a buy, a double. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense. Cause then like the one seed yeah. would get a double buy until. Yeah. So, we, so there might be a team that gets the glom on cause they're in the even number spot. But I think for the most part, we would at that point, because, you know, you, you have things like, I, I think I saw one time, Alabama hadn't played a road game west of the Mississippi in like 30 years. I mean, that's insane. And then you have a team like in the Pac-12 or USC going to Notre Dame and going, you know, they're like the, the Pac-12, their, um, their scheduling uh, requirements are much more rigid than like, say, the SEC. You know what I mean? So you would force teams. And and I think it would be really cool to have, you know, Clemson at Boise State and Ohio State at UCF. I mean, uh, you know, NC State going to whatever, Akron or whatever. I think those would be really cool games. And then having, you know, New Mexico travel to Georgia Tech. Those type of you, you would get matchups that you never get, and this would be cool. This would be a cool thing. You would get you would get in season matchup of like possibly Alabama at Ohio State. the The matchups that it would create would be mind blowing. And you'll get and like then if if you did if you were like ranked, you know. 12th or 8th or whatever you couldn't really argue that you should be in there 
I love that. And you also get like an Alabama at New Mexico State, just something. Like I know that. it would be unbelievable. I mean, listen, New Mexico State, the it would be a packed stadium. They might not have sold out in five decades, but they would sell out that game to watch their team take on Alabama. Maybe they lose by 102. I don't know. But and also the, the New Mexico State players would be like, man, that was that's a game they would take with them the rest of their life. I love that for so many reasons. I'm going to add one more thing to that. So obviously this will never happen. This is unrealistic. Just a fun hypothetical would make the game so much better, but logistically just on the way conferences work and almost the way that the quote unquote government of college football, like the political Mm -hmm. aspect of it is you can't just rearrange the entire league, but I'm going to add one more thing to your hypothetical plan. There's like a promotion and a demotion system. So the champion of each group of six conference, so each power five and each group of five or each power six group of six are paired with each other. And the winners of the group of six conferences move up to the powers and the losers of the powers move to the groups. You know what I'm saying? Relegation. So we're going to take a page out of the uh, like English, English Premier League, right? Yeah. That's a that's a great idea, man. And then that's, that's there's like, idea. we we don't even. So if we're are we doing divisions with this or no? Because what I'm saying yeah. is potentially we could have a a championship game. There's the ACC championship, and then there's Duke and Syracuse battling it out. Who will stay in the ACC <laughs> next year? Oh, the last man. place game on primetime television just slugging it out man 12 to 9 the final score just a bloodbath and everybody will be watching it because <laughs> they, they, i mean <laughs> it'd be a sold out stadium to man, watch you don't, two, be moved, you don't want to be moved to the mac to, you want to you want to fight for your right to play in the acc <laughs> To watch a two and eight Duke team take on a, a one and seven Georgia, <laughs> just a, a packed stadium. <laughs> yeah, dude, I can't believe it. In a few minutes, we we've solved we've solved the entire thing. I did not expect this episode to go this way. I thought we'd debate, you know, six teams, eight teams. We talked <laughs> about whether to make the ACC like it was last year rather than like it is every other year in that there's no divisions, but that's some right. good stuff that mostly you, but we helped come up with. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, I, I assure the fans that you and I did not talk this over because I I've actually had these ideas for a while and every year. Oh, one key thing, one super key thing, no preseason polls. Okay. I'm down with that. Because I don't, I don't care about polls anyway. Yeah, but it, it does affect because people are like, oh, you know, they were ranked ninth. Yeah, based on nothing. They were zero and zero. They shouldn't have been ranked ninth. But our Let's, all right, we'll call it the pipeline playoff committee instead of the college. Oh playoff. my god. The pipeline playoff committee won't release rankings until week seven anyway, or something like that. <laughs> Just like the playoff committee. That's the one good thing that the playoff committee does now is they wait until like November to Right. But those preseason polls, and this has been kind of statistically proven, play a major role in that. 
right? Yeah. By the way, let's, let's copyright let's copyright the phrase "pipeline playoff committee." Make sure we we get on that after the after the show. <laughs> but yeah, the preseason. There's definitely a sense of bias in terms. Yes. Of, oh, I thought UNC was going to be really good this year. I'm going to do everything I can to convince myself that they are still really good. Right. And I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just a human nature thing, right? No one likes being wrong. And if you thought something, it, it, it psychologically speaking, it kind of takes a lot for you to kind of move off that position. Mm-hmm. And right. that, that would, that would include the, the kind of overarching SEC is always superior. And it's not a knock on the SEC. It's not. But there are times where it's like, oh, they're, you know, they lost to another SEC school. Well, that was a quality loss. I mean, it's like, well, come on, man. If, if you're going to include all the teams as being good, then we, then they could never have a bad loss. So, and it would force, it would force teams, you know, in the SEC, in the ACC, Big Ten, whatever, to play. You couldn't just kind of, get a really good schedule every year say oh well we you know i will a couple of fcs schools and and we don't play many road games and that sort of thing i will warn you this though based on my aspect to that rule the promotion demotion thing we will get the sec to become a super conference if we're keeping like alabama georgia florida lsu all in the same conference which we don't necessarily have to do anymore but let's say we are you know, we're getting rid of the Missouris. We're getting rid of the Arkansas just due to the demotions. And we're promoting. Yeah, but then somebody's going to be promoted. Packer in Appalachian State. Yeah. So that's kind of. Somebody, somebody would be promoted. So it's it kind of, it might be rotating at the bottom. Even more of a super conference is what I'm saying. But maybe but we I, find I, out I, they're not. Yeah, I mean, maybe we find out they're not a super conference because they go on the road and they lose some games, you know. That's true. You know, Florida goes and plays at USC and loses. A lot of a lot of last year was based on reputation because there were very few out-of-conference games. So we just had to go on the reputation of the conferences to compare conference to conference. Right. Absolutely. And don't get me started with bowl games. Oh, the ACC lost all their bowl games. I told you so. That's <laughs> – I don't want to get into that. Oh, man, that was brutal. That yeah. was br- bowl season was brutal for the ACC, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, one of the caveats. preseason about the conference being better than it yeah. would, was in the past. Well, that went out the door. All right, but what's – we talked about playoffs. Okay, and- We've already fixed the playoff system. Let's keep going. Yeah. (laughs) You want to change some gameplay rules. So I think obviously the main two things are targeting and overtime. Those are the big two debates going on in college football. And I think targeting number one on that list. So, I mean, what do you think? I know a lot of people like maybe having like a flagrant foul in basketball or a technical foul, like there's – so we can make like a flagrant where there's different levels, flagrant one, flagrant two. If you have an extreme targeting, you clearly did it on purpose. Right. You're ejected from the game. If it's like a minor targeting, you really couldn't do anything about it, then you have to do it twice to get ejected from the game. Is that – do you kind of like that? Or are you thinking something differently? 
Yeah, I, I really do. Like, I think it makes the most sense. There's so often that I see a game totally change because a guy's going low and then the runner drops his head even lower and they hit and then the guy's out of the game. And he did he obviously wasn't, you know, okay, he wasn't tackling proper form. He didn't wrap up, et cetera. Sure. But then you have someone head hunting and they the penalty's the same. It just doesn't seem doesn't seem fair. So you're you like the flagrant one, flagrant two type thing. Yeah, or or some some you know iteration of that. I mean, I I, I kind of do like the flagrant two flagrant ones or flagrant two and you're out. And how would you uh, define but, how would you define each foul in a rule book? So like a targeting one and a targeting two. What would you define them as? Yeah, I mean, I I would say I know it's kind of hard to judge intent, but sometimes it's not right sometimes it's like okay you were clearly trying to knock that guy out and that's a flagrant too and then other times it's kind of a bang bang play i mean i don't listen i don't think they should get rid of targeting because you know these guys are amateurs and you know they do need protection it's not like it's their career um where they're they're making money off of it and um, you do want to encourage never lowering your head. So I think they should keep it, but I think there's the, the speed of the game is so quick that it just, it's difficult for me to say that guy should always get ejected. So do you also agree on the defenseless player type stuff, lowering the crown of the helmet? Like, does it have to be that specific? Let's say, I mean, does it have to be just the crown of the helmet? Could it be like any part of the helmet? Like, do you think the revision of the rule should only be the severity of the of the penalty? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the defenseless players. I mean that that used to make for some incredible highlights, but these guys were literally killing people. So yeah. Um, now like we I always think about the uh, what was the bowl game? Wasn't it? Um, I think it was the Wisconsin kicker or was it a Michigan State kicker that just got laid out. I mean, it was – he literally just fell to the earth and, and you know, put up his uh, headstone or whatever because he was dead. So, like, that type of stuff, yes, you got you to gotta rule that out now. Um, there are times I, – I, I agree with what you're saying. There's times where it's like – the helmet kind of grazed the other helmet and it's like, well, that wasn't really intent. They're trying to like spear them necessarily. So yeah, I think it's gotta be a little bit severity and judging intent. Um, but, but I do think it has to be some sort of degree. All right. And then for overtime rules, my hot take is that I think college football does it closer to how it should be than the NFL does it. Because I, I hate the NFL overtime rule even more than I hate college football overtime rules. I dislike both. But I think the NFL, the fact that you could be in a shootout, a 
these are rare in the NFL, but let's say you are in like a 49, 49 type game. It goes to overtime. Teams mm-hmm. are seemingly scoring every single drive. Now, you know, you win the coin toss and you essentially win the game because you're going to score a touchdown. The other team doesn't have a chance to touch the ball. That makes no sense to me. I think every single overtime game, both teams should touch the ball. So I like factoring this into college football. I like the fact that both teams get an equal chance. However, red zone offense is kind of a specific part of the game. It's not a simulation of just football in a smaller sense. So I think teams should start from the 50. Okay. But here's, here's how we can make it so that there's not like triple overtime, quadruple overtime, et cetera. So have you ever watched the XFL? Did you watch that when it was on? Like during the, like, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really. So what they did was you had the option of a one, two or three point conversion. So you could go, you get a one point conversion from the two yard line, a two point conversion from the five yard line and a three point conversion from the 10 yard line. And they kind of, those numbers are on purpose. They factored out the probabilities and, you're expected to get like the same amount of points on average for each type of conversion, one, two, or three. No. Let me ask you, is it, was that a series of downs or was it one play? One play. But what I'm saying know. is if both teams score a touchdown, now we it's unlikely even if both teams score a touchdown that we're going to go into a second overtime because of that conversion. So I think we should bring that into college football the hmm. one, two, three point conversion type thing. Maybe even on every touchdown, but especially in overtime. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the way they're, I will say this, I hate the go for two. Uh, what was that after the second overtime? You just, it's just two point conversion plays. That, that, that. reminds me of like a penalty kicks in soccer or shootout in hockey. Like a whole yeah, where it's just baseball. Yeah, it's like totally different than the rest of the game. Now, I personally, I mean, I think back to who went into like seventeen overtimes. Wasn't it like LSU and Texas A and M or something like that a few years ago? And it was great, but keep it, man. Just keep it. Like those are the. It's that's the exception, not the rule. I think. I I do agree with you. This there's times where. I th- they when they start at the 25 right it's like defense makes three straight good plays and they kick a field goal and win the game so I, I i i'm totally on board with you moving them outside of field goal range so the offense has to do something before points are going to be put on the board because you're not kicking a 67 yard field goal right So I definitely like I, I like that sort of uh, twist to it, and like you said, it's it's moves it kind of outside the red zone. We can have a little bit more room to operate, and we can play the game like we'd normally play it. So the reason I added the one, two, three point conversion is because it's going to obviously take much longer for the games to happen, for the overtime to happen if we're starting from the fifty. So like watching a seven overtime game where they're scoring every other play was fun, but let's say you're watching a seven overtime game and the drives are taking seven plays each. 
Oh, I didn't think about that. That's why I said, that's why I wanted to make it so that it ended in one or two overtimes. Yeah. Okay. That would be an, it would be an amazing strategy going for one, two or three. Depends on the team. I mean, it'd be really cool. Cause it's like, Depends I'm going to go for one. Okay. Well, I'm going to go for two. I'm going to go for two. I'm going to go for three. I'm going to go for three. I, I missed. I'm going for one. I like that, man. That's good. You, you said that came from the also, XFL. Yes, there's a there's a problem with this though, because let's say you're the you're the team that gets the ball first, and you go for two and you miss it. Well, then the, yeah. the team that gets the ball last only has to go for one. They know all they have to do is get one. But at least it yeah, gives the opportunity to give both teams the ball. And that's really all I care about. But, well, let me ask you this. You're saying it's like an, uh, basically a point after play, right? Yeah. So they score a touchdown and then they do this, right? Yeah, there's no kicking anymore. No kicking extra points. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, but you say, okay, the team goes for two and doesn't get it. Well, the other team still has to score a touchdown. So it's not yeah. like. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's not like nothing. And it's not like a, a play from the one yard line has scored every time. So there's still a chance. I like that, man. I like that a lot. Well, I liked your conference realignment idea too. So, you know, pipeline playoff committee. Oh my God. Everything's, everything's coming up pipeline. This episode, our <laughs> ideas are much better than I thought. I thought we were just going to debate some of the ideas that have already been out there we've been very innovative so that's, like that's that. our that's our motto man innovation is key so i mean do you have anything else to bring to the table we are over that 30 minute mark so i'm ready to wrap up but i'll let you say anything else yeah. if you want to well i'm, I'm gonna i need to, i need to go anyway because i gotta like i said i gotta copyright that phrase pipeline playoff committee <laughs> so i definitely have to go do some work well, you go get to that. Um, Great stuff, man. Great stuff. Yeah, I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you very much. We'll get to more content like this in the future. Definitely basketball will do the same kind of thing at some point. But until then, once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Pipeline ACC Podcast.